This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, Horse World. Glenn the Geek here, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning for April 23rd, episode 2668. We are off today as we got our second vaccine shots yesterday, and I wasn't sure how I'd be feeling today. Plus, it's my birthday tomorrow, and I wanted to make it a long weekend. We'll be back with a Land Rover Review show on Monday. And in the meantime, I'm pretty proud of what we were doing over at the Stable Scoop Show. I think the new roundtable format has led to some interesting, important conversations. I know you're all busy and may not have had time to add another show to your playlist, so I thought I would give you a little taste today. I recently did an episode of the Equestrian Roundtable focused on diversity. We had a great group of panelists and some important conversation. I wanted to share it with you, and if you like the format, then consider subscribing to the Stable Scoop podcast. Just search for Stable Scoop on any of your podcast players. Well, right after this word from our title sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products, I will be playing that Equestrian Roundtable for you. And if you've heard it before, if you managed to catch it when we did it a couple of weeks ago, then We'll see you here on Monday. Well, hi, everybody, and thank you for joining us tonight. This is episode 516 of the Stable Scoop Show. It's the Horse Radio Network's Equestrian Roundtable Show and the first show on the Horse Radio Network 12 years ago. Our sponsors this episode are Arena Saddles and you, our listeners. I am Glenn Geek, founder of the Horse Radio Network and host of Horses in the Morning, the longest-running daily horse podcast in the world. I want to welcome you all here, and I appreciate you stopping by. Uh, I would love if you would comment down there. Uh, just uh, say where you're from. Tell us where you're from, because our panelists tonight will also see the comments. Donna's here and Lori's here. Thank you for joining us live tonight. We appreciate that. Uh, tell us what state or country you're from and uh, give us an idea of who's hanging around tonight. You're welcome to join in the conversation as we have questions tonight that we're going to cover you can uh, comment right there in the comments. We want to hear what you have to say. If you have questions for the panelists, you can throw those in there too. I'm going to be your host and moderator. And, you know, as you all know, I occasionally have opinions, but mostly I'm just going to lead the way. Uh, you're, you know, if you're watching live, we really do appreciate it. We have Ohio and Pennsylvania and uh, some more popping in here right now. Uh, the one advantage to watching live uh, every other week on Wednesday night at 7.30 is that you can comment. We have Brisbane, Australia. Hi, Emma. Good to have you here. Uh, we have Connecticut in the house, uh, so on uh, Arizona as well. So we're here every other Wednesday night at 7.30 Eastern, and we appreciate you stopping by tonight. Tonight is a little bit, a bit different. Uh, we're going we're gonna to get diverse tonight. Tonight, we have a roundtable devoted to diversity in the horse world. And, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about that before I bring the guests on. You know, the Horse Radio Network, it's been interesting. I wish I say could say I had a master plan for the Horse Radio Network to be diverse. Um, but I kind of, you all know me, I hire people and I bring people onto shows and as hosts and, and as producers and things that are really talented. And it just shows, it just has happened over the years that we found a, a, a pretty diverse group that is really talented. Uh, so the Horse Radio Network ended up being that way. And, uh, you know, we just we just like dealing with really good, talented people. 
Uh, and, you know, uh, a lot of people don't realize that the Horse Radio Network is partly owned by one of the smallest minorities in all the horse world. And that's uh, Dr. Wendy Ying, and she's Asian, and she always jokes she's one of two Asian people that ride horses in the United States. Um, I think there's probably more than that. But uh, so she's a part owner and has been since the beginning of the Horse Radio Network. Uh, we're going to meet another one of our hosts here tonight. Uh, Jemmy, of course, you all know. You've heard her on Horses in the Morning. She's our producer, produces and edits a lot of the shows we do here on the Horse Radio Network. And she's my partner in the Florida Podcast Network as well. So I uh, wanted to give a shout out to her. It's, her. it's her son's birthday tonight. So happy birthday, Jojo. So let's let's. And of course, I am a minority in the Horse Radio Network. I am the only old white guy. Uh, uh, other than that, it's all women and Philip, uh, and we and Philip's not old, so he's just the white guy. Um, but uh, otherwise, we have thirty uh, some female hosts on all the shows, and uh, and they're much better than I am. That is for certain. So let's meet our panelists tonight and get into this important conversation. So first up is Joy. Uh, Joy is host of the Retired Racehorse Radio Show and has been doing that, what, a couple of years now? Huh? I know. We just had our two-year anniversary. It's crazy. Oh, really? Well, yeah. congratulations. Thank yes. you. It's a great show about retired racehorses, and you own a one or two, don't you? I have one. and uh, constantly on the lookout for a second. <laughs> and Joy, you were a listener before you were a host. Mm-hmm. Yep. For Sorry, a while, listen- long time. Uh, 2014. Yeah, a while. So you're representing all the listeners here tonight, too. No pressure. Okay. Uh, Yeah, none. None at all. (laughs) (laughs) So you're representing listeners tonight. Also, we are joined by, well, next up, let's do Patricia Kelly. She's a former U.S. Marine, head of the nonprofit organization Ebony Horsewomen. And she's been doing that for 30 plus years. So she's been uh, in this space a lot longer than most of us. She's also an Agala certified and runs an EHI Equestrian and Therapeutic Center. Hi, Patricia. Hi, Pat. Hi, Glenn. Hi, Joy. How are you? Good. Boy, you have a classy background, too. You're looking (laughs) great. (laughs) I love it. So, Patricia, you live where? Where, What state are you in? I'm in Connecticut. Connecticut? Okay, great. Is that where the therapeutic center is? Yes. Yes, it's in the capital city, actually, in Hartford. Ah, you're in Churnstown, Hartford. Yeah. It's capital of the world. (laughs) (laughs) I, I like Connecticut. All my family is from Connecticut, so I love that. I'm glad to have you here tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I, um, I enjoy being here. And then uh, our final panelist tonight was just on one of our shows, was just on Horses in the Morning. Her name is Synovia Stewart. She is a dressage competitor from North Carolina. She holds a bachelor's de- degree in equestrian studies, as well as criminal justice and sociology. She's traveled to Germany and uh, gotten numerous medals over there. Uh, with the German Equestrian Federation. She works in the biotech industry and has served for several years in the board of directors for the North Carolina Therapeutic Riding Center. Hey, Zenobia. Hello. And I will also say that she's making a round. She's going to be on the Dressage Radio Show this week, too. So uh, no pressure. We got we just have you working overtime this week. <laughs> so appreciate you all stopping by. Let's get started with the first question. The way this works for new listeners is each of the panelists has submitted some questions. We're going to take one of them, spend about 15 minutes on each, and then move on. So uh, we're going to start with Snobia. Your question, uh, and I thought about the importance of diversity. Your first question would be the one we're going to tackle tonight. Okay, yeah. So 
my question is, you know, what is the importance of diversity in equestrian? And I think that's a multi-realm question. I think that we need to have more diversity so that the youth have a role model to look up to that is similar to them. Uh, we also need to have diversity. Um, sorry. Okay. Uh, did you, how did you, how were you, are you, you, your connection good? Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah I think we're good now. All right, good. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, we also have to have more diversity so that people, uh, minorities feel more comfortable at shows uh, so that they're not feeling alone. Um, and oftentimes minorities face, you know, covert, covert or overt racism. And I think that if there's more of a sense of unity, there'll be less of that. Uh, and that's kind of the realm of what I was, was going with with that question. Before I go to one of the panelists, I want to ask you, did you experience that when you were coming up through? I mean, dressage is not known for having a lot of uh, diversity. I have. Uh, it's not on a regular basis, but it does happen for yeah. sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. Pat, you've been doing this a long time. What do you have to say to that? There's a misconception about African-Americans in the horse industry. When you're talking competition, absolutely. You know, you kept out of it for a lot of reasons. It's, it's classism and racism. But there are a tremendous amount of African-Americans that ride horses, a tremendous amount of African-Americans that have horses, a tremendous amount of African-Americans that have um, horse farms in the United States. Problem is we don't get press we're completely overlooked. So there's an assumption that the only ones that you see, you see competing are the only ones in the industry. And that's completely um, uh, mistaken um, information. In competition, absolutely. When we first started, uh, when we went to horse shows, when I took my kids to horse shows, they knew immediately Ebony is in the house because we were the only ones. Um, when we first started, we started as a women's organization and we rode Western and um, we had to quickly change um, to that English discipline because there were no Western shows in Connecticut. Um, if they were, they were very much hidden and out of the way. But when we did go to shows, we were we were um, the only ones and we met with three different types of isms. Um, in some shows, it would be absolutely classism. Love to see you. Welcome. You're not going to win anything here, but we love having you. Another area would be um, the straight racism, you know, clutching the pearls, grabbing the children, and, you know, that that kind of standoff, standoffish um, attitude. And then in another particular place, it's business. We give uh, lessons and we can't afford you to come in and get the ribbon. So we met with, you know, all of the isms in the industry. And that's just in the show area. Joy, you, you come from a horsey family, right? I do. Yeah. yeah. And it's different for me because I'm biracial. So I have a white mother and a black father. 
And both of them are horsey in different ways. My mom did uh, saddle seat and my mom or my dad did Western pleasure. So very different worlds. But um, growing up, I was in 4-H in early 2000s and as a kid, and I was the only uh, member of color in that. And it, it is odd. You, you realize that you feel the eyes on you. And I, I think with Pat saying, like, I think it was louder for her while in, when I was growing up, it was whispers. You kind of felt it in the shadows. There's that uh, rail side talk going on and you have this sense of feeling that you don't belong. But at the same time, you have the passive aggressive, oh, we're we're so glad you're here. We're, it's great to see you. Mm-hmm. But you, you don't really, you don't feel it. It's not genuine. And some of it was. I'm not going to say it was across the board. Some of it was genuine. Um, but yeah, it, most of it, you, you could tell like you were not like everyone else. It was perceived that it was odd that you were here. Yeah, so that I would agree with Pat that even later on and, you know, the 2000s and you see it now too in 2020. Right. Um, it's just quieter. That's all. When we went out, we had to prepare the kids for it. We had to prepare them for the receptions that they were going to get. And, and um, many of them, you know, they grew up in racism. They grew up in it. And so you're not able to see it as well. Well, I grew up in the late fifties and the early sixties, and I know it (laughs) from far off. I don't, I, you know, I know it when I'm looking at it with them, they had, they, they didn't really recognize it until we started to, to compete. And that's when it was in their face. Um, and, And even in some very extreme circumstances, they have seen it. And it has been that way more in the horse industry um, than in some other areas. Has it gotten any better, guys? I mean, has it gotten better in the... uh, Let me clarify that. Has it gotten better in the last 10 years? Zenobia? (laughs) (laughs) I would say it slightly got better, um, but over the last four years or so, it has ramped back up. I'll definitely say that. So you're feeling it more, you're feeling those old feelings more in the last four years than you did in yeah, five d- years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit more prevalent than, than prior. If I could, I'm yeah, sorry, I was just going to touch on uh, Shinobia's is I think with everything going on in a political stance too, it's hyped things up. You have people who've taken some very hard stances, uh, a new defensive nature, um, which is odd to me because it's a horse show, like calm down, have fun, have a beer, you know? Um, But I would agree that it's the last four years, even five years, uh, it's changed. And sorry guys, I'm on a phone. I apologize. (laughs) Um, Joy's falling off the table. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the cocktail. It's fine. Um, but in all seriousness, it's in the last four years, I would agree that it's people have just taken a different stance and they're very strong in some old beliefs that they kept at home that are now coming out a little louder. And I, I think we can say it's attributed to politics in a way. I, I don't like bringing it to the table, but you can't deny it either. Well, also, you have to remember, I think the, the horse industry represents classism probably more than the other sports. Um, 
golf, maybe the second behind the horse industry. And then you have the tennis. And, and unless the African-American competitor is dominating that that particular industry, you're going to meet with it and it's going to be in your face all the time. And the horse industry has almost separated where it has, it has particularly in competition, has almost wiped out the middle class. Um, you're either um, someone who has a horse in the backyard or you're shishi poo poo, you know, top, top um, show ring. And, and that costs a lot of money. And the, 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 the cost of it all runs a lot of people out of the industry, let alone African-Americans. And it doesn't matter what color you are for that. It I mean, classes don't exist across the board. <laughs> right. But yeah. if you happen to get that and racism, right. then it's a double whammy. Right. Sonobia, what's so what are the, so, okay, so now we have identified the issue. Where do we go from here? What Sonobia, you led this question. Where do we go? Where do you see, what's the solution? Is there a solution? It's probably a long-term solution, right? But is there a solution? Uh, I'm not really sure if there's a solution at the moment, but I do think that we're going to have to have more, you know, white trainers that are willing to be inclusive and kind of go the extra mile to include minorities into their programming, whether that be advertising in areas where they usually wouldn't advertise, uh, having promotions so that it would get the word out there for minorities and just being more welcoming and just inclusive. I think that's going to go a long way. It's not going to go all the way, but it's definitely a start. And Pat, that's kind of what you're trying to do up there with your programs too, right? Yes. But, and I'm going to just slightly, slightly, slightly disagree with Zenobia. We don't need white trainers. We need more black trainers. I can can agree with that. That can bring black kids to shows to compete. Uh, We're well qualified. We are well qualified. I can think of so many black trainers right now. Bruce Griffin is one. Um, I can think of so many black trainers that can bring our kids to shows. Um, But I, I agree now with Zenobia. I don't see a solution right away because it is a, it, it is, it is hand in hand with classism. And I, you know, with all that's going on, it can, it can be connected to politics, but this is, this is something that's been going on for centuries. I mean, let's, let's realize, excuse me, guys, that's the house phone. Sorry about that. Uh, We, the, the horse industry has overlooked the black equestrian I hope that's not one of my kids. I told I, him. I, I'm just enjoying it. I can't tell you how long it's been since I heard a house phone. <laughs> well, you know, the only reason why I have it is for the internet. I, 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 don't, I hope they didn't sell me a bill, a bill of goods, but I was told I had to have a house phone in order to have the internet. So I, we, got a house phone. we never I just enjoyed it ringing. That's what... uh, but, um, you know, the, the the history has forgotten the African-American question every, all the way back from um, the Buffalo Soldiers. My father was a jockey. Um, my father was born in 1899. I just dated myself. Don't do the math. Don't do the math. Um, he was a jockey, but his parents were slaves. And and on the plantation where um, they sharecropped after the emancipation, he 
he was thrown into that whole horse world. But the African-American equestrian, the 13 winning jockeys of the Kentucky Derby, first 13 winning jockeys were black men. You know, it's we're not a novice in this arena. You know, we we know this arena. We just don't get the press. And, there, and there's so many things, so many contributions that African-Americans have made in the horse industry um, that just gets overlooked. And so when people talk about it, it's like, oh, we should let them in. Well, we've been in <laughs> all the while, but we don't get the credit. So well, um, what you said earlier, too, is is true. Eighty percent of eighty percent of our listeners, 80 percent of the horse world is our trail riders. I mean, they're not competitors. Actually, competitors in the horse world are minority, a real minority. Right. Um, so, you know, most of us are just trail riders out doing our thing. And, you know, there's no reason to get, for any of us to get press, right? We're just out. We have backyard horses. Joy, what, uh, do you have a thought on this, on, on the future, where we go? I do. And, um, you know, I think it's a long road ahead. And it, I don't believe, I'm going to slightly disagree with Pat. I'm just going to be out. And it's. <laughs> It's just a long-term solution. And I think it starts with kindness. Kindness, kindness is free. Is free. Uh, um, there's allyship that we should be... Um, allyship is huge. If you, anyone, no matter the color of their skin, their gender, how they identify, if you support minorities and you genuinely cheer them on, you genuinely invite people of color, invite the little boys, invite people of different sexual orientations, invite them to the barn and say, you belong, um, encourage them to come with you to a show, you know, be their groom for the day. That's free. It just costs your time. And we can start that today. And that will make a huge difference because you are saying you belong. And I think that's where we start is through allyship. Mm-hmm. Good. All right. Well, I'm, I want to, we run out of time for the first question. So we're going to move on to the second, but before we do that, guys, I have to talk a little bit about our sponsor and that is arena saddles. They're perfect in any arena. Uh, arena saddles are available in dressage, jumping and all purpose models, all classically crafted from beautiful European leather with meticulous attention to detail. You will turn heads in any arena with the confidence that your saddle is comfortable for you and your horse. Whether you're nailing your canter transition at sea, perfecting a five-stride line in the three-foot division, or galloping the countryside with wild abandon, there is a perfect arena saddle for you. Go to arenasaddles.com to learn more and to find a retailer. That's arenasaddles.com. All right, let's, uh, let's next go to question number two. And Patricia, you bought, brought this one. It's about equine-assisted therapy. Yeah, so um, so we started 37 years ago, and um, the science behind equine assisted therapy had really started to really, you know, come out, and people were really recognizing it and understanding it and everything. And of course, I started to make the rounds because I knew early on, I knew early on, even when I started riding at nine years old, it saved me from uh, a really um, kind of hard time. My parents bought a house in um, an all white neighborhood. I think there was one or two other black families and it was a horse from a neighbor next door that really kind of 
saved me some of that from some of that harshness. So I knew early on that was something. And of course, when we started, uh, we knew how the horses were were affecting the children that we were serving. So I started to make my rounds um, to get more information about what is the science behind it? What is the how is it how does it work? So the first person I, I went to is Greg Kirsten. He is the former husband of the of the founder of Igala. And he's a cowboy and he, you know, straight to the point and could tell you straight up what the horse did for you. You know, everybody else had this other smooth kind of um kind of training. But in all of the trainings that I did, what wasn't there was cultural competency. And so, you know, everyone talks about how the horse mirrors energy in the room. So you you have the client, you have the therapist, and you have um, the horse specialist and, 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 and the horse. And the horse is going to pick up energy and tell the therapist or the horse specialist you know, what they're feeling, what they're picking up. But no one ever talked about the therapist's energy could be in the room that the horse is picking up. And it could be because if the therapist is of one of a one demographic and the client is of another demographic, one ethnicity or one race and another race, and there is explicit or implicit biases going on, that horse is picking up an energy, all right, but it doesn't have to be the client's energy. It could be the therapist's energy. So cultural competency never was talked about. And I think the reason why was because it was never offered in an urban center. It was always offered in the suburbs where it was not accessible to urban clients. It was always promoted by um, a white demographic it was never um, um, given an opportunity to reach any other demographic. And so when you're doing equine assisted therapy and you're, and you're using all the tools that the horse can give you, you have to take a look at, you know, all the energy that's in the space where you're giving that therapy. And if any kind of uh, cultural competency is not had there, or there are those biases that therapists could be picking up and writing um, diagnosis and and um, notes based on her own or his own bias. And whatever the horse is saying doesn't have to be from that client. It could be an energy coming off. So it's, it's a tricky um, situation and it has to be addressed, one, if you're going to serve other demographics, if you're going to serve uh, your urban client, you have to be culturally competent. You have to understand what your biases are, and we all have them. And it could be it could be gender based. It could be uh, a therapist and and a trans a trans um, gender individual, and there could be biases there. It could be a bias. Of, of a female with a male client. It could be, you know, it's, but you have to understand what's in the room, what's in the space when you're given equine therapy or you're going to misdiagnose. So that, that's my angst with, the, with um, equine assisted therapy. And so much so that we began to become um, a certifying agency 
ourselves absolutely looking at um, cultural competency and making it accessible for the urban client. Sonobi, you dealt with this uh, with the Therapeutic Writing Center. So what, what did you see? What was your experience? Yeah, so a lot of similarities to uh, Patricia. So I think that it is more of a classism issue as far as the accessibility and cultural competency in therapeutic writing. The word just is not out there um, to reach minorities. And it's a classism thing as well because it's often expensive, often Medicare or just regular insurance companies don't cover those services. So it's difficult to get a diverse group of children or people into those therapeutic writing centers. And it's not just a race-based thing. It's more of financial accessibility and classism, things like that. So so I do have a question. This is for Pat or Sonobi. Is it also true of, of white kids in the city? Do, are they also not getting that experience as well or any any kids in the city? Um, generally any kid, any kids, but absolutely yeah. African-Americans. Now a white child can, can travel to the suburb right. and get, and I'm, I'm not actually speaking about therapeutic writing. I'm speaking about equine assisted psychotherapy oh, okay, gotcha. is what we do. And that can be billed through insurances. So okay. there, you know, so, so the, the urban client that has less funds available can get that through insurance companies. Um, so and and but aren't those referrals coming from therapists? They are now because okay. we, we are giving that service in Hartford, Connecticut. Um, heretofore, no, no, because who's going to travel to the suburbs? And when yeah. you get there, if when you get there, you you're like people are like, oh, why are you here? Hmm. You know, um, and 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 so it's already destroyed. If there's going to be any kind of psychotherapy done, you know, the moment you walk in on the scene in the suburbs and people are like, um, "Can I help you?" It's done. Nothing can happen. It, it's it's over at that point. So now that we're we're giving those those um, psychotherapy sessions in Hartford, yes, they're very much accessible and can be paid for by insurance. Joy, anything to add to this? Well, I have to say uh, equine assisted therapy and psychotherapy is not something I have a lot of familiarity with. But in my professional career, in my current job, we are now offering programs in overcoming unconscious bias, um, education for professionals on diversity and inclusion and the power of language. And I, in my past jobs, I work with some amazing DEI experts to learn a lot of times it's just a lack of education because it's not pushed. A lot of times DEI budgets are so small in organizations that people aren't investing um, for people to learn the proper words and uh, current terminologies for things and how language impacts something, how your body presence impacts a situation. Um, and even just how to ask the right questions. You might not you know, be intentional of hurting someone or making them feel like they don't belong, but your own uncomfortability is creating unconscious bias and now impacting the situation as well, which in turn could affect the overall session and how that psychologist reviews uh, the session with the, the client. Um, I agree with Snobia that there is an issue of accessibility. Um, you do see 
kids of privilege. I'll say it that way. Um, cause I think that can come across the board. I, as a, a I'm a, obviously a kid of color and I grew up in a privileged household, middle-class. I had access to just about anything. Um, so I won't completely say it's, um, based on color of your skin, but kids of privilege do have the luxury of going to these more, uh, specialized therapies that could benefit anybody where kids who don't have those privileges are kind of sent to more of the state recommended programs or state funded programs. Okay. I'm going to go back to the same thing I did on the last question is, is uh, I think this solution is outreach to, is this solution outreach to therapists? Is this getting them to understand that these programs are out there and available? I think Go ahead, Sanobi. Go ahead. I think it definitely is um, because a lot of therapists still are not aware of equine assisted psychotherapy and hippotherapy for their clients. And I think that the ones that are aware of it may be less inclined to recommend it as a therapy if they're encountering a patient that is of minority. They might think, oh, well, they're probably not interested. Oh, well, they probably not going to go to the center and they don't recommend or, or to be honest, they fell off a horse once in their life and they hate horses. I mean, yeah. you know, there's that bias too. <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think, I think that there is that accessibility issue. And then also just because the insurance, you know, does cover equine assisted psychotherapy and hippotherapy doesn't necessarily mean that that specific policy or policyholder you know, are going to actually cover it just because it's in there. It won't necessarily get covered. So there's still some access, a lot of accessibility around insurance um, issues there. So for for us with Joy saying, you know, kids of privilege can do, it took a good 15 years to convince people in our sphere that horses were beneficial to children of color where it was always thought of as being very beneficial to white children, but not so much black children. And so it it took a good 15 years to beat those doors down to show that, yeah, the black child can, or the Hispanic child can benefit from equine assisted therapy and psychotherapy. Well, um, and I think that I, I know that people like Pat and we deal, you know, we've had, we've talked to a lot of, uh, of the programs organizers over the years on the shows. And it, it, I think there is more outreach than there used to be. They're trying, uh, whether they're succeeding or not, I don't know, but I do think that there is kind of more outreach than there has been. And this is becoming a bigger program. And part of it's because the whole veterans programs and all of that is bringing awareness to the fact that horses can be used for therapy in general. So I think that's just bringing awareness up of, of horses in therapy period. Um, Right. So it's, it's, we, I think um, as of the end of 2020, we had certified approximately 30 African-American and Hispanic therapists in equine-assisted psychotherapy. And I think that's what is needed, that we have these um, individuals prepared to offer and, and, and conduct equine-assisted psychotherapy. Cool. 
Well, we've run out of time for this segment. We're going to go on to the next question. We don't. We we just move it along here. We try and leave about fifteen minutes for each question, and then move along. So, and because we could literally talk for hours on any one of these <laughs> questions, right? We could be here all night. Uh, so, but before we do that, I want to chat a little bit about each of you. Let's start in, at my top here with Joy. Joy, you do a little show. Tell everybody about your show. Yeah. So, uh, not so have, little anymore, I should say. Yeah, we're not we're not yeah. too little. Growing rapidly, which was great. Uh, so, we have retired racehorse radio. We just celebrated our second uh, year anniversary in February. So, thanks to all you amazing listeners for supporting us. Uh, we are the podcast that advocates for the adoption, aftercare, and retraining of the off the track thoroughbreds and standard breds and all the other racers in between. Uh, we actually had a Greyhound episode too. We don't discriminate there. And um, it's just been an amazing show. We partnered with New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, and they have had record numbers of adoption rates. It's just been phenomenal to watch, as well as the Retired Racehorse Project, who's doing their first mega makeover this year. So it's it's been a wild journey. Um, I remember talking to Glenn about it two years ago and wanting to do a show called The Thoroughbred 30, where we just do a training tip with a professional for 30 minutes. And it's grown into something so much better. So it's it's been a fun project. I talked her out of that. <laughs> he did. He's like, no, we got to do more. <laughs> he was thinking too small. <laughs> All right, good. Sonobia. Yeah, so I'm Sonobia Stewart. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook at Sonobia. That's S-C-N-O-B-I-A. And also on Instagram, same thing, S-C-N-O-B-I-A. Does Sonobia mean something? I meant to ask you that when you were on our show. Yeah, so it's actually my grandmother's name. Uh, so yeah, we share the same name. Does it have a meaning? Does it, you know, is it something profound? Uh, no, it, it no. doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> that was your chance to lie. Yeah, I could have made something up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it means the most wonderful person in the world. <laughs> and uh, let's bring Pat up here. Pat, oh, by the way, let's not forget to mention that she's in a certain Hall of Fame, the Cowgirl Hall of Fame as well. So she has that going for her. So I'm Pat Kelly, and um, we we have our Facebook page. I think it's eHorsewoman Center, and on Instagram is eHorsewomen. And um, we're in the capital city of Hartford, Connecticut, and um, uh, our main focus is equine-assisted therapy, psychotherapy for um, adults, veterans, and youth. Our focus is youth, and but we also focus in on veterans as well. Uh, because I'm a veteran, I kind of make sure that we can hook veterans in that very much need it. So um, that's where we are. Thank you, Pat. And thank you for all for being here tonight. I really appreciate it. We have one more question we're going to cover. And this one, I don't know that we're solving this one tonight, but boy, <laughs> it would be sure nice to solve this one in the world. Joy, bring your question on. And this this is not a race-exclusive question or a class-exclusive question. This is just a stupid person-exclusive question, I think. So let's uh, let's bring yours on. Yeah, so... I had a couple of questions that I wanted to bring to Glenn and he told me I had to pick just one, which of course he did. But anyway, <laughs> I, I guess mean like that. It, 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 it's needed though. I could go on forever. I guess the biggest one I kind of want to talk about is 
lack of exposure. And we talked a little bit about it, Pat, you brought it forward of we don't get the press. There's no press of minorities. And I'm going to broaden that scope too. And, you know, you mentioned Wendy Ying being like, she jokes, she's the only Asian out of two who are writing in the world. And uh, you don't see a lot of young boys featured in the press either, but you do see them when they've reached Olympic level as men. Um, do you ever wonder where these men come from? It's 95% women. All our listeners are women. And then all of a sudden we got all these men at Olympic level. And it's like, where did they come from? <laughs> I have no idea, but I feel like they're being developed at like Tesla center or something like this <laughs> at this point. Like they're not human. <laughs> um, but I guess what I'd love to see is the, the question of voting with your dollar and encouraging the brands we support to feature diversity. I, I, it's not fair to push everything on, you know, the listeners we have tonight who are going to talk about it with their friends and share it. That's great. Every little bit helps, but what it really comes down to is getting faces, you know, on Instagram, on Facebook, getting them in the magazines, um, seeing more, movies and television shows featuring i i thought it was great when uh, i think it's called free rain um that came out on netflix not that long ago featured a, a black girl as the protagonist in a horse movie and i was like what that never happens she's always blonde and the farm's always falling apart mm. like and it, it was a completely different situation this time around but i think it was so needed i mean my my hero was Carol Hansen from the Saddle Club growing up. I was like, there's another one out there. Oh, that's great. I had no idea. Um, but she was my hero. And then that show disappeared, you know, after the 2000s. So I, I guess what I'd love to know is what your opinions are and how we can see more press. How do we push for things? We've seen a couple things come out. I think Bridgerton being a great show as it is, it is. but also... <laughs> Um, the lead actor there, he brought a lot of a lot of focus on men in horse in the horse world, but also men of color in the horse world. And it just happens because he's hot, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I was say, did he ride a horse? I, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed watching his spoofs of learning how to ride because he was hot. But it still is good press. It needs to be more than just. You know, I'll, I'll use Kenobius, for example, of you go out there, you have a great test and it's featured, you know, it's not just a young woman accomplishes great dressage score. They're going to always point out it's a young black woman that always gets pointed out. Why can't it just be the face? Why can't you just have the exposure without it seeming like um, like the token piece, if you will? Like we, we hit our diversity number for the month. Like, right. What, what are your thoughts on that? I guess. So Kenobia, she called you out first. So why don't we go? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh no, that that's okay. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think there has to be some consideration for the you know the motivation behind the press. If it's just to meet a quota to say, hey, we featured a black girl this month. Okay, we we're doing good. But if it's actually you know from the heart, we want to diversify equestrian the industry. Then I think that is good press. Um, and I think there there does it does need to be more representation, and that's going to come from those press opportunities and companies having to take the initiative there. But also us as Black equestrians, we can take the initiative as well and reach out to these companies 
Um, and I've done that in the past. That's how I was featured in the Smart Pack calendar. I just reached out um, and said, hey, would you all feature me? And they featured me for 2020. So there's opportunities out there. It's not easy, but I think that we can move in a positive direction uh, by taking the initiative. Pat, before you before you jump in, let me just give a, a shout out to our friends Stanford over at Black Rains Magazine too. He's done a great job of of doing that magazine and also just getting the word out that there are African-American equestrians out there that are doing wonderful things, not just through our program, but through his magazine and through everything else. And we've had some, we've been doing this a couple of years now and some of our best guests that we get the most comments on come from Black Rains Magazine. So nobody's one of them. Uh, So, you know, it, it, I just wanted to give him a shout out. He deserves it. Go ahead, Pat. So I, I, with, you know, what Joy talked about in terms of our dollars. Um, You have no idea how much money we spend as Mm African-Americans. We buy trailers. We buy trucks. Uh, Black Rains, I hope you're listening. We buy trailers. We buy trucks. We buy horses. We buy gear. If that could be harnessed harnessed and could show um, companies the amounts of money that we spend in this industry, I bet you we can change some things. But because we we are not seeing and we're not pushing how much we're spending, um, it, it goes unnoticed. So that's mm-hmm. one thing. Um, Smart Pack again, like Synovia, came to our our, our facility and did uh, a nice video um, and showed our rangers, our park rangers, which are young black um, men who patrol 693 acres of urban parkland where we where we are located. Um, we as Synovia, maybe we have to push the envelope ourselves. The other thing is what does get press is the um, English world. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a cowgirl. I'm straight up a cowgirl. I teach English, but I'm a cowgirl. And there are a lot of men, Glenn, in quarter horse, in the quarter horse world, but they don't get the press that the English discipline gets. So I think there's a, you know, there's an imbalance there as well. Um, And I believe that there are more Blacks in the Western discipline that are making headways. I can, you know, we, we, we talk about, you know, the rodeo piece of it, uh, Fred Whitfield, Charlie Pee Wee Sampson. Um, there's so many, you can go on and on, but it's not in the English world. So that, so it's almost like the Western discipline is like the stepchild. So, you know, we need to do something about that as well. So I think um, to, to cap it all up, a black reigns, if you could do a study on how much money, we are spending in this industry. I bet you we could turn some things around. How does how do you how do you think? What do you think, Joy? I mean, I love that answer. I I'm always a fan of data. I'm a science person first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think too, like as a consumer, I think we have a responsibility to look at what these companies promote and how they promote. I think a lot of companies, especially big companies, they take it easy. They go with what works, what's been working. And if it's featuring a size two, you know, blonde woman, 
in every modeling photo of their catalog, but it's still making money. That's what they're going to do. Um, and I've seen some companies, SmartPack is one of them who's gone above and beyond of trying to reach out and yeah. they've been creating more diversity and doing more, um, just more initiatives, I think, than others. Um, Carrots is another one who tends to have more diversity in their models. And I think size inclusivity also has to be a part of that. Not everyone's going to be a size two. That's not realistic. Not everyone is that body type, which discourages... Carrots on the top of all the equestrian brands. They do it. And they always have. It just just always have been that way. Yes. I would agree with that. And I I think there was one time I actually took the time and it's not to... I won't say the company's name. I'll just do a catalog, but I was going through their catalog and I counted the same black model three times through that whole catalog. And I think I found the only men were like the, the tiny tot lead line boys for their clothes. Um, but that's all you saw. As that's far as they didn't diversity. make men's clothes back then. <laughs> Glenn, this was like two years ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, when I met Jennifer, there were like no men's clothes to be had. <laughs> no, but I mean, like this was a big, a big company who I think is making some strides, slow but steady. But it, it shocked me and it saddened me. And I think it's worthwhile if it's a company or a brand you want to support, write them a letter, you know, go in their DMs, demand something different. And if you, to me, that goes back to the allyship, right? If you're there to help, you're here to make change. They'll do it if it means they're going to lose money. That's right. what it comes down to. You, you vote with your dollar on everything and anything. Right. Area, I think, has made some strides as well. If you mm-hmm. look at their catalog, you're going to see more African-American um, models in there as well. And they have been supporters of our organization um, also. And I think they're, they're very conscious of the shift that needs to happen in the horse industry mm-hmm. as well. So... Yeah, there there are some, but not as many as there should be. Um, because again, we we're spending a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I've been in that world for a long time. I owned a tax shop back in the '90s and and worked for some of the major companies, including a couple that have been mentioned here tonight as a consultant before we started Horse Radio Network. And I think part part of the issue is too is just I don't think it's intentional. I think they just didn't know what they didn't know. They didn't know it was out there. It's what Pat said. Nobody knows we're out there, right? So it's kind of out of sight. Uh, you know, a lot of these places are located in places where there's not a lot of African-Americans in the first place. Uh, so it's just, you know, I don't know that some of it was, some of it may have been intentional, depending on the company, but, you know, some of it I don't think was. I think we're going to see some change in that, uh, in the marketing side, what Joy's talking about. I think we're going to see some change in that now in the next couple of years. And I hope so as more awareness is there, uh, more of these companies are, are more aware. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and I'm not making excuses for them. I'm, I'm not doing that at all. I just think, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know either before I met joy and, and Jemmy and we had long conversations and I never thought I was racist, but it turns out I was, you know, in many ways, but I just, I'd never occur. I just never thought about it. You know, it's not something I have, you know, we had this conversation, right? Joy for we eight did. hours one night. Yeah. It was also great because we were sharing an Airbnb. So I was like, well, now we're trapped together after this conversation. So I yeah. hope it goes well. 
<laughs> yeah, my wife went to bed. She was like, I'm out of here. I'm not going to listen to those two talk about this. But I think you hit, it was great, too, because, you know, Glenn, you've been an amazing ally through this. You're a great example of it because you ask the hard questions. You're not afraid to do it. Even setting this up tonight, it's it's always going to be a little controversial, right? Even though it's kind of the thing to do, which I almost hate saying. I almost hate that it's like, it's cool to talk about diversity right now. Well, you know what? It's, I asked, I thought about cool. that, Joy. Before you finish, I thought about that. And I I really did think about that. I said, am I jumping on? And then I thought, no, we've been doing this all along. It's just not been a thing. You know, it's been a normal course of operation for us. Yeah. So that's why I was okay doing it tonight, because I don't think we're jumping on. I think we've always been, we've just always been, we just do our thing and it happens to be inclusive. Exactly. I, I think most groups too, like most people want to learn. They they want to be accepting. I think ignorance is truly just what it is. It's ignorance. If you if you're not exposed, if you don't know how to ask the questions, if you're afraid you're gonna get, you know, verbally attacked by it, it of course it's gonna cause some road blockage in the discussion. And I love that we have this platform here today to open it. And any listeners here, I would love for you to, you know, shoot me a, an email or drop into my DMs if you have questions. I'm I'm fine with that. I'm always gonna be comfortable with that and I'll always come with a place of love and understanding. But um there are some groups too who are like it's our it's the cool thing to do right now. Like let's let's feature some people of color. Let's let's feature some people who are, you know, transgender or whatever it might be, because it's the market, it's the fad. I'm like, you know what? Who cares? Let's just roll with the momentum because that's how we're going to get change. Like, stay loud. Keep moving. All right. So let's get a positive. I'd like to end these on, on real positives here. So I just need a positive from all of you. It can revolve around what we're talking about tonight. Actually, Joy, it's so funny because I thought your question tonight was going to be around kindness across the board in, in the horse sports and in forums and in, on Facebook. And yeah. that's the, that's what I was referring to the one that we're never going to solve because uh, that one seemed like it needs to be for another day. Like I need yeah. like probably an hour. <laughs> Maybe I'll uh, bring someone on retired resource radio. We'll, we'll talk about <laughs> kindness on the racetrack. <laughs> so, so joy, if you're going to leave everybody with one thing, if we're going to go out a little bit positive tonight. If I could say one thing, it's one, thank you guys for being an amazing community. I, I've always felt like this community you built, Glenn, is a safe place. It's always been welcoming. It's, I can't, e- I started my horse, I feel like I've grown up with you guys in a way because I started so young with Horse Radio Network, but it helped me build confidence as being a woman of color in the sport that I don't see a lot of people myself and I do dressage as well. So I really don't see anyone of, of my skin color there, especially being biracial where I get the population here right now. uh, Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And so horse radio network really gave me that place to say, I belong somewhere. I was, I never felt like I was different. And uh, so that's my positive. You've just built a truly amazing community. And I'm happy to be a part of it. We pick on you as much as anybody else, Joy. <laughs> We're equal opportunity. <laughs> exactly. <that> exactly. <laughs> no discrimination here. <laughs> no, not at all. Snowbio, what, what would you leave people with? Uh, so I do. I want to just say that thank you for having this platform and really addressing these tough questions. Because I think it's a tough thing to do, especially with 
the political things going on right now, a lot of tensions, but I do really appreciate you um, taking the time to, to let us discuss these, these issues. And well, I, I got think- news for you, Sonobio. We're not done with you yet. Either. <laughs> 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 uh, but I, I think this is good for the up and coming equestrians, the ones that are already in the industry just to be able to see people that resemble them and are successful as role models. So I just, I think this program is great. Thank you. Pat, what about you in general? What would you say? Yeah, pretty much the same thing that Zenobia enjoys saying. Um, You can't, you can't deny um, facts and data and the opportunity to, to, for exposure. And thank you for allowing us to come on tonight and talk about the tough things that, you know, people would rather not talk about, you know, can we all just get along? Well, we can't unless we know what's wrong. And uh, you gave us an opportunity to, to begin the conversation to talk about what's wrong so that we could fix it. So, yeah, thank you so much. You know, it's funny. I, I went uh I learned the most, and Joy's going to smile at this because she knows her. Uh, Jemmy is our producer, and she's African American and a and a and a, <laughs> and a uh, spunky one at that. She's she's something else. When Jemmy's in a room, you know she's in the room. Okay, she's <laughs> one of those. And uh, I did a show with her called Finding Florida, and we travel every month together till the COVID hit. We for two years we were traveling and doing fun things all around Florida and doing wild, crazy things and everything. But you know, we really got a lot of time to talk. And I think she learned a little bit about, you know, about a person like me who grew up in Amish country who, you know, we were not an African-American country. We're an Amish country. You know, talk about a group that's also picked on, you know, and and, uh, uh, a lot of prejudice against. Uh, But I learned a lot, too, going to restaurants and to dinner. We always joked about, are they staring at us because she looks like she's 20? You know, she's older than that, but she looks like she's 20. Is it the young girl and the, you know, the old man, or is it the white guy and the black girl? We always joked about that when we'd go out to dinner or the different things we would do. Uh, But yet I came to appreciate that whole thing where I never, I never knew. I didn't know what I didn't know. And I think that's part of it too. Some of, yeah, there's, there's bigoted people and we're not going to change them. I don't think we are. But for people like me who just didn't know what we didn't know, you know, I think we are learning. And I think that some of us are coming around now. I did it because I had experience, right? I had that experience hanging out with Joy and Jemmy and and learning and talking and, and learning about each other. She also learned that that not everybody that doesn't know what they don't know is bigoted, right? Uh, we just don't know. Uh, so we're learning too along the way because we were never exposed. And I think you're never exposed to something you just don't know. Um, so I, I've learned a lot, you know, with, with Joe. I want to give her a shout out tonight too. And, uh, her son, Jojo turning nine tonight. So, uh, I wanted to give her, her a shout out too, because I learned so much. And then Joy just extended that, that learning. But, uh, and that's the kind of thing it's going to take for all of us though, is just, it, it, it's also just being around, right? Being around people that are different. I don't care how, what the difference is, right? It's being around them. You're never going to learn, learn the differences and learn all the nuances of that and what it means to be, to be African-American, to be Asian, to be whatever it is. You're never going to learn that or to be an old white guy, right? And the experiences I had. 
Um, so, and what that involves, you know, so I don't know. I, I, I think that, I hope that that's changing as we all have more opportunity to have experiences. And I hope we continue to have, and you could totally disagree with everything I just said there. That's okay. But. <laughs> no, I'm glad that was, that was spot on. That was so great. And uh, it's, it's just been a pleasure. Everything's been a pleasure. And even the otters, I, I just want to, I'm not going to mention her name just because I never got permission, but there was one auditor and she's an instructor and she was so sweet. She put out a post, very vulnerable. She was white and she has a student of color and she didn't, she, her student has a lot of hair. Like she's got that thick uh, mane, you know, and she's like, I want her to have a safe helmet, like something that fits her head well, but she didn't know how to approach the student and their parents of how do we find a helmet that fits with all of her hair and still be respectful. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. how, how are you respectful? She asked for some suggestions of other writers of color. Like, well, what do you do when you wear your helmet? Like, what are some things that I can suggest to them? And that's all you have to do. Like that question. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for being amazing. And thank you for asking it and being open. That it's something you honestly just didn't know, but you wanted to have the right answer. And I think, it was just a great example for anyone who feels that way. If just ask the question with kindness and it will be answered with kindness. I think we're going to end on that, except for one thing, Zenobia, everybody keeps asking about the painting behind you. So can you tell the behind you? This lovely painting came from Ross for about 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Love it. There you go. Ross people go to Ross. 20 bucks. <laughs> It looks like it's like a $4,000 painting. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> this one behind me was done. So hard to do this. Uh, by one of my listeners. That one there. That's my pony. It was done by one of my listeners, Jessica. And uh, she sent that to me when I was sick as a little present. But that's my pony scooter, my little hackney terror, little holy terror. So uh, that that's an original too right there. Just like your Ross is. Uh, the Ross original. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys hey uh, you can find all the past episodes of the stable scoop show and these visual uh, round tables by going to the, the stable scoop facebook page all the past videos are there on our youtube channel at horse radio network or you can you can find them at uh, the stable scoop feed we always put them out on audio the next day so if you missed any part of tonight it'll be out on audio tomorrow on the stable scoop podcast feed just look that up it's one of the oldest running horse podcasts in the world. Uh, many thanks to this week's sponsors. We have Arena Saddles, and we also have our auditors, our listeners who help support the network and keep it going, like Joy. Uh, really appreciate all of you guys as well. Thank you all for joining me tonight. This has been fun. Let's do it again. Sonobi is going to do it again tomorrow <laughs> night on the Dressage Show. So thank you yeah. for doing that, too. You're going to meet Reese and Philip, who are also a joy to be around. They're so uh, much fun. So yeah, Philip's Canadian, so he has to be nice. It's required. Uh, and Reese is just naturally nice. So you're going to have a great time on that All show. Right. A lot Looking of fun. forward to it. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Joy. You're Appreciate quite welcome. Nice. Pleasure. Right. Take care, Thank everybody. You. Thank you for joining us. Okay. Thank you all. Night. Good night.